0: What's going on, guys? Jake Simpson here, and welcome back to a brand new episode of I Believe TV. This one, oh my gosh, I am so happy to start off the new year with another great episode. And this one is a little bit special, because I didn't think I would get uh, him so early on. Guys, I want you to welcome Grant Norfleet, our 2023-2024 National FFA Secretary. (laughs) Would you like to introduce yourself to everybody on the show, Grant? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me
1: on, Jake. This is really, really exciting. Uh, But like you said, my name is Grant Norfleet, currently serving as the National FFA Secretary. I'm from the good old show-me state of Missouri, which right now it's pretty cold here, uh, but grew up in Northeast Missouri. I'm a member of the Mexico FFA chapter uh, on a beef cow-calf operation and row crop farm uh, here in Missouri. So I've always been Involved in agriculture, and I've always fell in love with FFA as soon as I joined freshman year. I've um, been really excited to be on the podcast today.
0: That's awesome. I love that you're, uh, you grew up on a, a cow-calf operation. Uh, I live in northeast Oklahoma, and my family has a beef operation here. So that, that's exciting. I love that we have something somewhat similar. So that makes me even happy, uh, happier. So, of course, i got a lot of questions for you. If one is too hard to answer in the moment, don't hesitate to ask me if we can come back to it. Are you ready? Yeah, of course. Let's get rolling. Yes, sir. First things first, what got you to join the FFA?
1: So I remember sitting with my dad in the kitchen when I was an eighth grader, and we were filling out my course request form you know, for freshman year, and I had one period left open, and dad told me, you know, I think you should take ag, I think you'd really like it, um, and join FFA. And my dad teaches diesel technology at the Career Center, which is attached to my high school. And so I always grew up with FFA in the ag building right across the hallway when I'd come after school uh, with him to his classroom. And so I took the chance to join FFA. Wasn't quite sure if it was something I wanted to do, uh, but I got to meet some really good folks in there and had a really good mentor. Her name was Lauren, and Lauren was a senior when I was a freshman, and she kind of really took me under her wing and really got me started in FFA and kind of showed me what FFA was to offer um, and was kind of helping me figure out what FFA uh, was like. And then by the time she had graduated, I had already kind of figured out the path and where to take in the organization. So a really good mentor and someone I get to call Fred now who
0: took me under their wing. That's kind of how I got started in the FFA and a little push and shove for my dad as well. That's awesome. You know, um, that kind of reminds me of my story. I, whenever I moved here in eighth grade, um, You know, we have uh, agriculture available to eighth graders, of course. And my brother, he graduated back in 2011. But he said, hey, you should definitely take ag. I'm like, I don't know if I want to. Um, It's not something I've always been around because I just got back with my family after being in foster care um, for X amount of years. Um, But he's like, no, you should definitely try it. So I'm like, "Okay." And the first day in the ag classroom, I was treated by a a short bald man with the biggest beard and uh, his hand was extended out to me for a handshake. And ever since then, I fell in love with it. And um, like you said, mentors, uh, they go a long way. Uh, I had a couple seniors seniors uh, my freshman year who were chapter officers and they took me under their wings too. So um, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now.
1: That's neat, Jake. I mean, I think it's just so cool. And that's the power we have in FFA to do things like that. And, you know, there's younger members I've taken under my wing as well. So I really appreciate you
0: chatting with about that because I think it's something we often forget about in FFA when, once we get a little bit older. And what's beautiful about it is, you know, me being a junior right now and serving as a chapter president, I have a lot of my eighth graders always coming to me asking the, sometimes the most weird questions, you know. Um, but again, it makes me happy to see that I'm someone they can look up to. Um, I have this one kid. uh, his sister is one of my officers and every day he sees me he gives me a hug because he's like i'm so happy that you're here today um and that makes me very proud to say that hey i'm a leader that i never expected to be and that's exactly. something that most people that's something that uh, most people don't realize about themselves you know you got people who look up to you uh even when you can't look up to yourself for sure
1: for sure 100% and that's the power of ffa so what made you choose to
0: stay in the FFA?
1: Well, I think, you know, why I wanted to stay in FFA was I think the connections and friendships that I've built in the organization. But I think what's really cool about FFA too is just the tangible skills that you're getting from the organization. Yes, we're rooted in agriculture. Yes, I'm getting some great agriculture knowledge. So not only can I become a better consumer, but a member, better agriculturalist. But I think at the end of the day, I wanted to can you just continue to stay in FFA because I discovered that it's an industry and a career that is going is not going away anytime soon. And I've recognized that the agriculture community is very small, even though we're also very large at the same time. Everybody knows everybody. And so I wanted to continue to stay. So I continue building those relationships with folks. And so then in turn, I can help those folks who you know need a connection with somebody else. And that's kind of how I started and continued to be in FFA because I love the community that FFA provided with, you know, not only folks in my home chapter, but across, you know, the state or even the nation. And that's why I've kind of continued to stay in FFA because of the connections you get to build.
0: I couldn't have said it better. Um, Really, it wasn't until uh, 2022 Oklahoma State Convention I really got myself out there. Um, I didn't realize, you know, how cool FFA was. Uh, beyond my home chapter. I've always been here, like I'm in my own own little shell. And then I got to meet a lot of cool people. And then those cool people were like, hey, you should try this and that. And that's how um, I'm able to speak to you today, because I had um, grown a network of people that really stood by my side through everything. And that's what I love about FFA the most is the people. So what's your favorite part of the FFA?
1: I think my favorite part, you know, aside from people in the community, because we've chatted a lot about that. I think what I really like about FFA is it provides folks with an outlook for an opportunity to build leadership skills, regardless if they have a connection to agriculture at all. Yes, we are rooted in agriculture and we, you know, discuss production agriculture and that's how we teach students leadership skills. But we truly are for anybody, and I think, you know, anybody can benefit from agricultural education, whether that's wanting to, you know, pursue a career in agriculture or not, or simply to help them become a better informed consumer later on. This organization provides students opportunities to become better leaders, and that's what I think is really exciting about the organization, because we are pers- having the next generation of leaders who will change the world, and I think that's in and outside of agriculture, so Anyone who's worn a blue jacket uh, can attest that the leadership skills they've gained have really helped them
0: uh, throughout their future career um, and their future uh, community building as well. Exactly. And our generation is what uh, really determines what the future is going to look like. So that is on our hands, too. And I believe that uh, the near million kids who are wearing the blue jacket right now um, will bring the future to positive standing. So this is, uh, yes, sir. Um, This question nobody likes because uh, sometimes they don't have the answer to it. What is your least favorite thing about the FFA? Oh my gosh, Jake, I should not be talking about that kind of.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to not answer that
0: if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Sometimes uh, people just don't have the answer to it. Um, I've heard a lot of ridiculous answers like, you know, uh, shaving your beard or wearing slacks or, um, sometimes when it's hot, your jacket makes it hotter or when it's cold, your jacket makes it colder. Um, man, I've heard, uh, you can't wear boots. I, there's a lot of different answers and sometimes they just make sense. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I respect your decision not to answer that. Um, if you could change one thing about agriculture or in the FFA in general, what would it be?
1: I think I, you know, really we're talking on this community train right now. And I think what's so something I'd like to change about the industry of agriculture, more be more the community of agriculture is I would like to see us just maybe a bit more connected and a bit more in tune with, you know, what our neighbors are doing and agriculture is so diverse, whether that's, what we produce, what we raise, what we grow, or the things that, you know, production styles that our neighbors are doing. I think at the end of the day, I would like us all to recognize a little bit more that regardless of the production style or the production efforts, uh, production size, or, um, you know, production outputs, either, everyone's making a contribution to feeding our local communities and in the industry of agriculture. So it doesn't really matter if, you know, I'm producing my th- so things on my operation one way, my neighbor's doing something different. i like to see us maybe a little bit more connected and a little bit more uh, curious about what our neighbors are doing, even if it looks a little bit different in our home operations. And I think the same goes for FFA as well. Every FFA chapter is different. Every, you know, state association is different. But I think when we choose curiosity over judgment, when something looks a little bit different, that's when we as an organization and as an industry can be more united and more connected uh, so we can better share the story of agriculture and better share the message that we as leaders
0: um, are gaining in FFA. And that's one thing I like about this podcast is that everybody I have interviewed, um, everybody's different. And every chapter um, is very different. Um, Jessica Barnes, her husband um, is a motivational speaker He is from Oklahoma, of course, Um, but Jessica, she came to our chapter um, January 2nd to talk about um, application fill, you know, the national three star, but we already received it this year, so we went, we won't be able to get it next year, Um, but she basically was giving us mentor um, skills and, you know, just saying what we should do, what we shouldn't do, Um, but at the end of the day, she's like, oh, my gosh, you guys are probably the most complete chapter. Uh, you guys just need to, like, tweak it up a little bit. And she was also explaining how other chapters she's been to, um, such as uh, Edmund and Strazer here in Oklahoma. Um, they're doing great, too, but they do so, like, much different things. And that made me wonder. I wonder what they're doing that we could probably do. Um, And that's how a lot of our ideas in chapter really come from, you know, um, Caney Valley FFA, which is just about 20 minutes away from us. um, They have uh, some very cool things that we can't do, but they're always like, hey, you can come here and hang out with us. And we do the same thing for them because we're basically sister chapters. We love each other. Um, We actually make fun of our ag teachers for calling him boyfriend and boyfriend because of how close they are. Uh, Um, but that's what I love about the FFA is that they're so diverse and everybody and every chapter is different. And I believe that if we just open up our eyes a little bit more, we could probably understand each other a little bit different. Um, you know, I love different outlooks. Sometimes you need more than one perspective to, uh, get the same idea. Exactly. It's all about perspective. And I'm glad that you brought that up because
1: I think. When we take the time to look at somebody else's perspective, see what's going on um, in their life or their their view, that's when we can really kind of understand and have a better idea
0: of what's going on in the world around us. Exactly. So, where do you see agriculture in the next ten years? I think in the
1: next ten years, we're going to see agriculture. You know, like I said, I'd hope it we're a bit more connected and a bit more unified. But I'd like to see agriculture in the next ten years. A bit more on like I'd like to see like consumers understanding um, what they're purchasing a little bit more and making sure that as you know educators in agriculture and as advocates for agriculture, uh, we as an industry are even doing a better job than we even are now. You know, educating those consumers on how we can uh, better understand where our food's coming from and whether that's you know connecting more on the local level and having local producers connect with their local consumers and and Selling local, um, or even just having uh, more uh, technologically advanced production styles that will help us yield more, help us produce more as we continue to grow our,
0: uh, grow more food to feed our local populations and local communities. I love that answer, I truly do. Um, Something that I hear all the time is um, technologically will advance, and I believe so too about that. Um, You know, vertical farming and. Uh, virtual farming is becoming more, uh, I guess you could say popular. I've heard that some farms here in Oklahoma have gone uh, to the use of phones to, um, you know, of course, plant and harvest their own crops. Uh, we have this one farm in Cherokee, Oklahoma, all the way out in west, uh, in the West. Um, they use this special app to control robots. Um, let's see. we also have, Uh, rooftop farming, I guess that's getting bigger uh, or or you could say popular in the uh, more urban areas. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Trey Voller, he explained to me that some cities in Iowa are starting to use uh, neighborhood gardens uh, to, of course, plant and grow food. So I love that more people are deciding to... uh, get deeper into agriculture than they have ever before. Um, because that fifty percent back in the nineteen thirties and forties has dropped down to two percent. And I'm really wanting to see that two percent at least grow a little bit more before I reach adulthood.
1: I'd agree. I think, you know, as we look, you know, you like you said, you know, we're evolving, you know, not only we're we evolving as a society, but I think we have to look at how we can put agriculture into so I love that you mentioned the variety, more urbanization farming, or well, that's vertical vertical farming farming, vertical farming, or aquaculture, community gardens, things like that. That's, I think, a better way we can also get folks who, you know, are a part of the 2% and who aren't directly tied to production agriculture involved with production agriculture. So they can have a play a role in, you know, sustaining our future, but also in, you know, the production
0: process as well. I love that. I truly do. So I know you're, um, you've already been graduated from high school for a little bit uh, now, but what was your original plan for after high school? My original plan for after high school,
1: um, I graduated in 2021 and I attended the University of Missouri and still am a senior at the University of Missouri. I will turn back to class in 2025 and I'm currently studying agricultural education and leadership. With an emphasis in communications and leadership and so that was my plans and that's kind of the plans i've stuck with i will say like career outlooks have changed a little bit if you were to ask high school grant he would have told you he wanted to do something more with public policy and legislation and agriculture uh, but that's my passion for education and learning has shifted that a little bit and so right now the career goal wise is kind of looking to do something in programming and curriculum development so thinking about how learners learn in different ways and working for companies to use learning as, solu- learning as a solution. I know it sounds really technical and it is a little bit more difficult to explain, but essentially what I want to do is make learning fun uh, for those who need to learn things that they have to learn,
0: if that makes sense. It, it, it makes total sense to me. You know, um, My plan for after high school is to, of course, obtain a degree in ag education at Oklahoma State and then, uh, of course, be an ag teacher. Um, ever since, you know, I've been in the ag classroom, I've had that, uh, that dream to just, you know, teach kids. And I believe that if we can make learning fun, then they'll make, uh, some fun for their careers too. You know, if you're not having fun, then what are you doing? Um, and that's kind of a good thing about this podcast is not only do I get to talk to people and make an impact on thousands, but I'm having fun doing it. And, um, I really hope that, um, If I just start out small with having a little bit of fun, I can make a lot of fun um, with a lot more in the future.
1: What a great outlook. That is so cool. I love that you're wanting to do ag ed, Jake, because we need more teachers now than ever. I don't know about Oklahoma, but Missouri, we're looking for ag teachers all the time. I'm sure you are, too, in Oklahoma. So kudos to you for pursuing a career in ag ed because it's something we still continue to need to this day, and especially as we grow as an
0: organization. Yes, it is um, a huge struggle here in Oklahoma. I know um, some schools around here are needing a new ag teacher or uh, needing another one, per se. Um, Of course, Jessica Barnes, she asked how many kids are in my chapter. And Mr. Epperson, he goes, we have about 105. And she goes, well, how many ag teachers do you have? And he goes, it's just me. And her, her face was like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Because uh, one ag teacher for 105 kids is insane. Um, Now, there's some chapters here in Oklahoma with three ag teachers and about 80 kids. Um, Is that a lot of ag teachers or just uh, not enough kids? I don't know the answer to that. Um, But at the end of the day, as long as some kids have that drive to um, pursue a career like that, I feel like we're going to be in good hands. Because um, I think that every ag teacher who has worn the blue jacket uh, understands um, the thought process of other FFA members. Um, and that's kind of the reason why I took the job at the Boys and Girls Club, uh, so that I can get some hands on learning with actual kids and understand their thought process, um, much less other kids my age. So that, that's something interesting about me. Oh, so cool. Very, very neat. So I want to know about your SAEs, CDEs and LDEs. For those who don't know, an SAE is a supervised agricultural experience, a CDE is a career development event, and an LDE is a leadership development event.
1: Hitting me with all the acronyms today, Jake. I like it. <laughs> well, started off with my SAEs. You know, I had a handful and my first one I kind of started with, you know, I started way back when I was a young 4-H member, which was you know beef production, um, grew up showing beef cattle at the local, county, and state level uh, alongside my younger brother. He's still into it. Uh, last summer was my first year not showing at the state fair, so um, I do miss it. It's been really good to do that. But beef production—that was um, the one I really started with uh, when I first joined FFA. Having a cow calf operation at home as well, helping dad and grandpa out on the farm. Um, but then my freshman year, I started a agricultural education and service learning SAE project where I uh, revived an old summer camp that my uh, county extension used to put on, based around agriculture for youth in my community. And so I kind of rebrought that back into our community and did that for three summers. Uh, and did a summer camp with uh, elementary students, ages about uh, five to eight years old, and we did. Um, summer camps focus on agriculture literacy. So each summer we had a different theme for what camp looked like. And I had my friends, uh, from FFA and 4-H come and help me and serve as camp counselors. And we'd have about 40 to 50 campers each summer. And we do a variety of activities. We'd have guest speakers come in. We would, uh, just play games. We would do some, um, ag education, like learning moments as well, you know, arts and crafts, all the good things that summer camps come with. Um, and then, um, I also did a service learning project. Uh, with uh, the local community support center, which was a preschool uh, in my community for low-income families. And I partnered with an organization in Missouri we have called Missouri Farmers Care. And they are made up of a bunch of the agricultural organizations and cooperatives um, and the variety of commodity organizations we have. And they sponsor a program called Agriculture Education on the Move. Uh, So it's kind of like Ag in the Classroom that some other states have. But I was hired or selected as a um, educator, and they sent me 10 weeks worth of curriculum that I taught um, in that classroom with those preschool students focusing on um, all the commodity groups um, and then including some things also like nutrition, soil health, and careers in agriculture and really helped them understand a bit more about where their food comes from and um, some essential agricultural knowledge. And then finally, I had an Ag Services SAE that I started my junior year of high school Uh, I worked during COVID a little bit and then throughout my senior year of high school at a title company in town that focused on agricultural lending and titles. And so if you don't know, whenever you purchase a house or you purchase land, you have to get the title from it. And so a title company helps work with um, all of the realtors involved, the buyers and the sellers of the property. And we do all the paperwork and number crunching behind the scenes to make sure that your title and title is ethically and legally handed over to the buyer from the seller and then we also do all of the money handling to make sure that everyone gets paid appropriately as well Uh, so that was a little bit different um, of a project but I really enjoyed that got some really good experience uh, learning about that from um, an economic standpoint Uh, but those were my three main SAEs beef production ag ed slash service learning and ag services those are my SAEs man now he asked about CDEs and LDEs, and I love CDEs and LDEs. They were fun. I'm more of an LDE guy uh, over a CDE guy. Um, CDEs, I did. Um, what did I do, man? I gotta think way back. I feel really old, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um, CDE wise, oh, sophomore year, I did. I did. We call it dairy foods in Missouri. Um, it might be like milk quality or like dairy judging or dairy products judging in other states, but we did dairy foods and we made it to state that year. So um, I went to state in that, placed well. I think we're like 13th in the state as a team. That's the only CDE I've made it to state in, okay? So I wasn't that good at CDEs. My chapter wasn't a huge CDE team. Oh, no, wait. I made it to state in another one. I made it to state in ag sales too, my junior year. I did do that. Uh, But then other than that, I did poultry judging and dairy cattle judging. And that one was a really fun one too. Uh, but LDE's, those were more my jam. Freshman year, I did an Ag Issues team. And I did... And at Missouri, we have Knowledge, which is like... Some states call it like Green Hand Quiz. And then I did public speaking all four years of high school. Missouri has fall public speaking. So all the commodity groups sponsor a fall speech. And so that's like a standard eight-minute speech over a topic that they pick each year. So um, I did Far Bureau public speaking. I did... Young farmers and young farm wives, public speaking. Senior year, I went to state for the Teach Ag speech contest and placed second. And then I also did prepared public speaking uh, throughout my years in high school as well. And then senior year, I was fortunate enough to win the Missouri State prepared public speaking contest and competed at nationals uh, that year as well and was a semifinalist in the top 16. And I actually, fun fact, met Morgan Anderson, who I now serve on a national officer team with that same year we were in the first prelim room together and we both made it out of our rooms. And that's where I first met Morgan. So I've known her for about two years now. Now I will give her credit. She did beat me and went on to play second in the nation and <laughs> I did not move on. So kudos to her, but that is kind of where I started uh, my friendship with her, but um, that was a
0: mouthful. So yeah, those are my SAEs, my LDEs, and my CDs. That was a lot. And I'm actually surprised um, that you you're the first person to actually give me a, a whole uh, Walgreens list of uh, <laughs> of, of SAE, CDEs, and LDs. So, something that caught my ears, of course, was the summer camp um, in your area. So, how did that look? Um, uh, look, what did that look like when you started that back up again, and what caused it to, um, I guess you could say fall apart in the first place?
1: Yeah, so it dismantled. I remember attending it when I was like a young individual in my community because it was through 4 H and Extension. And I, like, attended it when I was, you know, a Clover kid in 4-H is what we call it. And it was kind of all operated by, like, parent volunteers in the community. And it kind of just fell off. And they were looking for someone to reach out about it. And my advisor was kind of on the email list for extension. And she said, hey, I think i got a student that might be interested in bringing this uh, back up. And so that's kind of how it started. It's a day camp. So we would just host a day, like, a session uh, for an entire day. They'd kind of hang out with us from, like, Nine to four. And I would do that each summer, and we did those you know every now and then. And so that's kind of what that looks like, starting it back up, and that's kind of where it did it, it kind of dismantled., uh, but I brought it back up and my chapter still does it to this day, uh, working over each summer to put that on for the community and for those kiddos. But it kind of just looked like you know an average you know summer camp. we did arts and crafts. we did we played we did songs and games, we had guest speakers come in but everything was revolved around agriculture. And so there was a lot of learning happening too, even though if uh, the kiddos and campers didn't even know that was happening.
0: I love how it's focused on not just the older kids, but it's focused on um, the kids still in elementary school. I believe that um, we should teach kids early on, Um, not like hammer them or anything, but again, like teach them a little bit here and there when they're young so that they can at least have some understanding um as they grow up so my chapter every year we have um a beef story book that we read and uh we have the kids come out they go pet the animals for a little bit we have a petting zoo go along with it which is pretty cool um and we have them sit down and we read read, uh, read them a story about beef production um and how we process it and such but nothing like Uh, too in-depth, of course, because that would be a little bit traumatizing for the kids. (laughs) Um, And then they go home and they're like, mommy, daddy, look what I learned. And uh, they show them like a coloring book we gave them. And it has some facts in there about uh, beef products and uh, the industry behind it. And I I just love uh, teaching kids. And um, I used to be that person where I just did not want to deal with kids. I could not stand them. But as I got older, I understood um kind of their thinking behind everything you know they're they're curious and um you just have to feed that curiosity young oh
1: for sure you gotta feed that curiosity around young and I like that you added you know like stories into it as well like storybooks uh, my chapter just recently started a program called little learners learning more I think is what it's called uh but like it's a subscription service that they do for the year and they got it a- They got a grant from a commodity organization in the state and they purchased books and like craft supplies. And so each month they mail out to, I think, 30 families in mid-Missouri, a a book, an activity sheet, and then a craft or an activity to do with for families to do at home, all focusing on a different sector of agriculture. So very cool that y'all are doing something similar.
0: That's awesome. I I love hearing uh, different ideas just come together like that. Um, So you have roughly 10 or 11 months left as an FFA member. I know it's um, it's a little bit crazy to think about, you know, you've been wearing the uh, blue jacket for so long now. But um, how do you feel being a national officer?
1: You know, sometimes I like am driving or I'm like working on something and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'm a national officer. Like I kind of forget sometimes. (laughs) Like, it doesn't feel real. And so uh, it feels really rewarding being elected to serve in this position. It's really humbling as well because I, you know, I don't think there's anything super special about me, but obviously the nine nominating committee members saw something within me and my teammates. And so it feels really great that this is quite the culmination of a journey in the FFA. And I'm really excited to spend, you know, my last few months in the Blue Jacket giving back to the organization that has given much more than I could ever imagine to myself and give that back to those members. And so I'm really excited to embark on this year of service, interact with members, and you know ultimately just hang out and have a great time because that's what we do in the FFA best is have fun. And so I'm really excited to get to do that, and it's really
0: humbling uh, to get to serve in this role. And I'm happy to see that, you know, you don't just take your position as, oh, my gosh, look, this is a title. No, it's a position that you were given because of your character. Um, that's what I believe most about um, titles, I guess, is you don't just get them, you, re- you earn them. Um, and that's something I learned uh, while I've been in high school, you know, serving as chapter president. Um, and of course, student council secretary, national honor society secretary. Um, those are just titles, but at the end of the day, I'm doing the same exact thing as, uh, my members. Uh, you know, this is just a, a title I earned simply because I decided to put myself out there, um, and work for it. Nothing, um, that I have been given was a handout per se. Um, everything I've worked for is because I wanted to, uh, do something with my life that was above me. Um, growing up, I did not think I would be where I am today. You know, I was in foster care. I was getting abused, neglected. Um, I have scars, uh, from my childhood and I look back on those and think, wow, I have done something amazing because I have decided to be that change. Um, and that's something inspirational that a lot of my listeners, um, adore, you know, they see a kid who has uh, faced adversity almost all of his life and now he's done something great. Um, and you know, titles, you know, host of a podcast. That's just, that's just another part of me that most people, um, see, but they don't know the story behind it.
1: What a powerful story, Jake. That's really cool. And thanks for sharing that with us. And I'm sure your viewers and listeners appreciate that as well. But I, I want to touch on what you just said earlier about how at the end of the day, you know, we're all just kind of FFA members. And that's kind of what I live by at the end of the day, too, is regardless of what position is, you know, embroidered on our jacket or not. At the end of the day, we all wear the same blue jacket. And we're all, we're all FFA members at the end of the day. So regardless if the back of my jacket has a state, association and a chapter on the back of it or it's blank i'm just an ffa member and we all are And at the end of the day that's what's really unique about ffa is
0: uh we're all kind of the same at the end of the day amen amen so what are you most excited about uh for the rest of your uh tenure as a national officer
1: I'm really, really excited to get on the road and travel and meet a variety of folks, whether that's FFA members, educators, alumni and supporters, business and industry sponsors. We're really excited to get on the road and meet with them because as national officer, you know, our number one role is to be the student representation. And I get to be that connection for folks from the national level, which is really exciting. Um, But more specifically, I'd say I'm really excited to see what agriculture and education look like, uh, maybe on a more national's perspective. So Missouri does a, certain things in specific ways for FFA and ag education, and agriculture looks a certain way in Missouri. But I'm really excited to see what agriculture looks like across the country as I get to travel to a variety of states, whether that's for state convention, chapter visit, summer camp, whatever it may be. That's what I'm excited to do. Um, I think each time I get to hop on a plane or drive in a car or maybe even ride a train, to wherever I need to go. And so that's what I'm most excited for, I think, is to get to meet FFA members exactly where they get to call home in their home community and see what makes them them and how agriculture has
0: shaped that. And isn't it cool that you actually have the uh, the privilege to do so? It's not every day you get to uh, see a different chapter on the West Coast do something probably the same or completely different than the East Coast. That's what's so cool about um, you guys is that you get to see everything uh, from big to small and everything in between I love that so I have some fun questions because I love being fun um, and I want my listeners to know that national officers and state officers they have lives too just like us um, they have these cool positions but at the end of the day hey they're real people So I want to know a little bit about your hometown.
1: My hometown. So I grew up in Mexico, Missouri, which always got some heads turned when they were looking at our jackets because they thought like we were from like Mexico, the country. But we're definitely from Mexico, Missouri. And my hometown is, you know, we're like in between a small town and a big town. So we have about a little over. 10, 11,000 folks, uh, graduated with probably about 150, 180 folks. But hometown of Mexico, we are, my county is the biodiesel capital of the world. So we have a lot of biodiesel plants in my hometown, uh, in my home county. Uh, but then also we get to, uh, we also are the brick capital. So we're used to, they're called Brick City. We used to have a huge brick plant in town. Um, Famous folks that have come from Mexico, Missouri. Uh, if you know Tyron Lue and you're a big uh, NBA fan, he is the coach of the LA Clippers. I think it's LA Clippers. I don't know. I'm not big into the professional sports. My brother is. Um, he's from Mexico, Missouri. Um, historically, Tom Bass, famous horse trainer, is from Missouri, Mexico, Missouri as well. Um, other than that, hometown fun stuff we get to do uh, we have the soybean festival in august each year um and other than that we have um i think at the end of the day if you really want to boil mexico down to just a few things it's uh mexican restaurants churches and gas stations <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to boil her down
0: that sounds like, like the entirety of Oklahoma, you know, churches, Mexican restaurants, and gas stations. <laughs> yeah, that's like the entirety of the Midwest. I'd
1: feel like, and you know, what my friends and I do if we're looking for a good time is grab a Sonic, drink, and drive around town. Like that's that's what we got to do, and maybe wander around Walmart.
0: That's uh, the average Okie for us. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I love uh, how similar to that your little town of Mexico is almost the same as a whole state. Um, So my hometown of Dewey, America, um, is not that special, I guess you could say. Um, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, is literally just five minutes south of us. And they have a really cool history. Um, If you know anything about gas or petroleum, we have ConocoPhillips headquarters here. And, um, if you know anything about Phillips 66, um, that is where, um, Phillips, uh, I forgot his, his first, Oh yeah. Frank Phillips. He came from Iowa in like the early 1900s and, uh, he decided to drill oil here after Jake Bartles found, uh, some oil on the Caney river. And so that's where the whole, uh, commercial gas craze came from. Um, and that's why we power our cars, of course. Um, so you can really thank Bartlesville, Oklahoma for, um, the, I guess you could say early beginnings of driving cars. Um, Phillips 66, of course, they got the name from Frank Phillips and then, uh, they tested a new petroleum on route 66 and the fastest that car went was 66 miles, which was a huge deal at the time. And that was, I think 1920s when that happened. Uh, So that's just a little bit of history about my area. Um, And of course, Dewey, we have the Western Heritage Parade every October. Um, We have longhorns come out. We have parade floats. We have cowboys, cowgirls, saloon girls um, dancing uh, on Main Street. I have a couple pictures of me dancing uh, the Macarena with some of the saloon girls in my official dress, which is kind of funny. Um, Christmas Parade every year, of course. Uh, my home chapter, we have participated in that the last three years and have won three years in a row first place for Youth Float. Um, other than that, Oklahoma, uh, Dewey, Oklahoma is not the, the most exciting part of uh, my life. Of course, we have a Sonic and, like you said, get a drink and drive around. That's, that's really it, um, unless we go to Bartlesville and go to Walmart. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a little bit of fun for us. More fun questions. Um, so you did say that you attend uh, Missouri, go Mizzou, go Tigers. Um, what's it like there? I've, I've always wondered uh, what other qualities are like because me being an Oklahoma State fan, I really only pay attention to Oklahoma State um, academics and sports.
1: Mizzou, you know, I love Mizzou and Quite frankly, it was the only place I looked at when going to college, which is something I don't recommend. Please, like, search out your options <laughs> if you're a listener out there. Uh, but you know, I gave her one shot and gave her a hail mary, and that's where I landed, and I, I love it so much. Um, from a college of agriculture standpoint, I really, really enjoy Mizzou. The college of agriculture is still like reminding me so much of like the FFA community. Everybody knows each other really well. The faculty and staff. Regardless if you're in that degree program or not, really want you to succeed. And so I've really enjoyed my time in the College of Ag. Um, And, you know, I work uh, in the College of Agriculture's Academic Programs Office and Career Center. And so that was, that's really cool because that was a lot of relationship I've gotten to build. Um, Mizzou Tigers, uh, athletic wise, football team, won a bowl game this year, took out the Ohio State University. So uh, Morgan and I got to have a fair, uh, friendly, Uh, battle against each other and you know the tigers came out victorious
0: so uh, fight tiger right there i forgot she's from ohio that's funny oh my god oh
1: yeah oh yeah fight tiger on that one fight tiger on that one uh but other than that you know mizzou we are only one of a handful i'm not going to say the number because i'm going to get it wrong (laughs) uh, (laughs) of, of of universe public universities that have a vet school a medical school a um, college of agriculture a school of business a law school all on the same campus and so that's been really really uh, unique to get to be a part of that um, other than that Mizzou wide we're about 30,000 students uh, big uh, and it's just a really cool campus really cool community uh, to be a part of and I've really enjoyed living in Columbia Missouri the past f- few years of going to school there
0: getting to experience um, life in Columbia Missouri um, and life on campus as well. That's awesome. I love uh, that you not only know about what's available to you, but you you enjoy it. Um, and I'm actually surprised that you actually took a Hail Mary on that because I would not have done that. Um, I've actually picked out a few colleges for me in case I don't get into Oklahoma State. Um, go Pokes. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love that about you, that you, uh, you just decided to, to risk it all. Sometimes we just have to take a risk um, in life, and uh, that's something that most people won't do. Um, so I'm really happy that you really did, uh, take that risk and it paid off. Well,
1: thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I wouldn't recommend it, but
0: I <laughs> wouldn't recommend it. I no. wouldn't
1: recommend it because I was very, very nervous, but if it's something you want to do,
0: you know, make sure you really look into it. Of, of course. Yeah. Really guys really look into it. Um, don't just go for one college, pick out your favorite. And then, um, of course apply for other colleges with the same, uh, academics for me um if i don't go to oklahoma state it's either the naval academy or uh tennessee so <laughs> wow some 180 variety right there <laughs> um i've always been a, a navy guy um uh, my uh, grandpa and my adoptive dad um of course they served in the navy um 20 years and 25 years and they were both on aircraft carriers so i've always had some roots to the navy very cool. So have you uh, gone to visit any chapters um, outside of Missouri so, uh, yet? So
1: I have visited a handful. When I was preparing to run for national office, I got to visit the Prairie View FFA chapter in Kansas because I had a connection to their ag teacher there. So I got to go visit a Kansas FFA chapter when I was preparing for national office. Uh, so shout out to Prairie View FFA in the Western part of Kansas on the no Eastern part. I don't know my directions. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Eastern part of Kansas on the Missouri border side. But then since we've been in office, we have visited a few chapters in Indiana. So I got to visit the Rushville FFA chapter in Indiana, as well as the, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. Oh, blue river Valley, blue river Valley, Indiana uh, chapter in Indiana. And then We just returned from Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, my team and I did, and I visited the Apex FFA chapter in North Carolina. So just a few chapters we've gotten to visit, and then uh, this week coming up, actually tomorrow morning, I'm flying out and we're flying to uh, Orlando in Florida, and we're going to visit with some chapters in Florida all week uh, as well. So um, getting started with the chapter visit kickoff, uh, and then um, we'll end up starting to do chapter visits on our own. Uh, as we start visiting different states for conventions and a variety of other events.
0: That's awesome. I do highly recommend to uh, visit Oklahoma. I know Morgan is coming to Oklahoma for her uh, state visits. Um, But hey, our state convention is the first Tuesday and Wednesday of May. Just saying, inviting (laughs) y'all. Do you have any advice for uh, my listeners or to me? My biggest
1: advice for everyone in FFA, regardless if you're a freshman or a middle school student zipping up that jacket for the first time, or maybe you're a senior in high school, you know, potentially unzipping your jacket for the last time. And that piece of advice is to simply take the chances that and take, it, take advantage of all the opportunities FFA provides. There's so many things I wish I could go back and do in FFA as a high school student that I decided I didn't want to do and I think what you know we don't recognize is what's what we have is so great until we don't have it anymore and so that's my biggest piece of advice is really jump take the leap and jump out there and try something new even though you might fall on your face because I've been there it all happens to all of us but try those new things um, whether that's a new contest team taking an ag class that maybe we're a little bit more nervous about um, or even something as simple as reaching out and saying hi to the person sitting next to you at a statewide FFA event because they might end up being your best friend. So take the leap, try something new, even if you're scared to do it, because you're only in the blue jacket for so long and you're going to miss the days when you dig it to have those opportunities in the blue jacket. So that's my biggest advice to everyone, whether you're starting young um, or you're about to finish out your journey in the blue jacket because uh, soak it up
0: while you can. Y'all heard him. (laughs) I could not have said it any better. Um, Of course, somebody else has given me that advice, and um, it paid off. It really did. If my teacher never said uh, no to me uh, not wanting to do anything, and if I said no to him, he'd probably yell at me and make me do it anyways. But, hey, I'm here now. I have a huge network, um, and it, it just paid off in the end. Um, I, I give credit to you and I give credit to my ag teacher and everybody who's been with me, um, the entire way through the blue jacket. That is, um, something I will never take for granted because, um, I never thought I would be here right now. It's, it's crazy to feel, uh, this, I guess you could say emotional. I'm not like, I'm not like tearing up or anything, but it's just, it's out of this world. It really is. It really is. Um, do you have any questions for me for you? I don't
1: know, man. How did you get this podcast started? That's what I want to know is how did this happen? Cause this okay, is so I,
0: cool. I, I wish I did this as a member. <laughs> I love answering this question cause, um, it's a little bit weird. Um, so do you know Garrett case and Pedro Valles? I do not. Okay. So they are both Oklahoma state FFA officers um this year and yeah last year um my chapter we host the very first speech contest and so they got together this is before their state officers of course um before they were giving out their speeches um there was a small group going around and um i just somehow got sucked into it and they were talking about another podcast um by uh Titus Montgomery, he is from Red Oak, Oklahoma, and he is the host of Brag on Ag, um, which Amara Jackson has been on, which is really cool. Um, And I told them, hey, I had a YouTube channel about agriculture as like a news hour, but I only got a few hundred views and it never really kicked off as well as I thought it would. And I said, I'll delete it and then come back to something better in the future. I don't know when or how, but some way. And so they gave me the idea to start my own podcast. And at first I was a little bit, I don't think so. I mean, Titus has already done a really good job. I don't want to steal, um, any of his ideas. Um, cause that kind of sounds a little bit like selfish to me. And it's kind of like plagiarism. Um, and then Titus himself, he, he's given me help about it. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is okay. Um, and so ever since May, um, I just started, you know, talking to random people, not random, random, but, um, I started off with kids in, uh, my home state of Oklahoma, of course. And then it just blossomed into, um, other kids from other chapters in other states and then state officers. And now I have, uh, my fourth national officer on my podcast, which is crazy to think about. Um, if you know anything about um sentimental value, um Asia Massey, she uh she shared her story of uterine cancer on my podcast. I think that was episode twenty six. I forget, um or thirty. I don't know. It's somewhere around there. I've I've talked to so many people. Um, she sent me in the mail a bracelet that I've been wearing every single day since then, unless I somehow lose it by finding it again. Um. I, have, I was interviewed on another podcast that was inspired by me, of course. My friend, uh, Esther Van Overbeck, um, if you know Carson Cantrell, she is really good friends with Esther and uh, she was able to interview me and she sent me a postcard in the mail. I have that on my desk right now. I'm looking right at it. Um, I got business cards. Um, I had a couple sponsors um, for the podcast, but both of them went out of business because Dewey cannot keep any business whatsoever, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but really that's it about the podcast and how it got started. Um, of course I took a two month, nearly three month hiatus, um, cause I was struggling with mental health. Um, while I was at Indianapolis, I, um, I received a text message on my phone that completely shattered me and um to say the least i'm still struggling with it um you know i'm still fighting that and i uh i made some deci- almost made some decisions that uh wouldn't allow me to do what i'm doing right now um and i already said that on my last episode that just got posted today um but you know I- i'm getting the help i'm i'm, I'm needing and um, I'm just super excited to get back on track and uh, get myself to where I was. And that that's the main thing about me.
1: Well, that's great, Jake. I mean, you just seem like quite the motivated man. And I'm glad that, you know, you're willing to share, you know, that we're not always perfect people, but you're still willing to, you know, work on the things that bring you joy and bring you happiness. So I'm really glad that you've continued to work on the podcast because it's such a cool idea. And totally wish this was a project that I would have thought of when I was a FFA member.
0: I I wish other kids uh, would take on that uh, challenge too. This has been a challenge for me. Just, uh, you know, just being able to talk to somebody. I get, yeah, the farthest was like 5,000 miles away. um, The state president of Hawaii, which is crazy to think about, Um, you know, just, just talking to somebody I've never met before. And then, Uh, meeting them for the first time at like national convention, that takes a lot um, of brain power. You know, you're just, you just don't understand um, until it's done. And um, I'm really happy that uh, some people are able to understand that thought process of mine. Uh, Any more questions for me?
1: That's all I got right now. Thanks so much for having me on though, Jake. I appreciate it.
0: You're so welcome, Grant. I really enjoy talking to you. This is um, a big refresher for me, and I'm happy to have this uh, 41st episode posted uh, sometime this week. This has been um, a really good opportunity to get myself out there again, um, do what I love, and make other people happy again. Um, I've had a lot of people wondering, hey, where is Jake Simpson? Where is the guy I love and care for? Where has he gone And everybody, guess what? I am back and better than ever. I'm here for you. As always, why are we here? Because we believe. Because we believe. Everybody, this is Grant Norfleet, your National FFA Secretary. Make it a great day and be kind to somebody.